Amen. Well, if you've got a Bible, would you open it up to Matthew chapter 9? I'm going to forewarn you, we're going to read a little bit tonight, so I normally make you stand up. I'm requesting tonight. If you want to stand, if you, if you, if you can't stand for about three minutes, then you are totally okay to sit as we read tonight, because we're going to put on our imaginations. If you want to stand, though, I'm standing, you can stand with me. We're going to put on our imagination caps tonight, because we've transferred from the Sermon on the Mount, and we are now at the commission address, as Jesus is sending out... His disciples, sending out 12 apostles. And so I want you to imagine you're there, about to be sent out on your first missionary trip, your first missionary journey, and Jesus, well, begins to speak. Verse 36 of Matthew chapter 9, very end, we'll go into chapter 10. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called them, his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease, and the names of the twelve of the apostles he called were first Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Lebedus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, do not enter into a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your sandals nor two tunics, nor sandals nor staff, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from the house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day than judgment for that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about what you will speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death and father his child. And children will raise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master, it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more 
will they call those of his household. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. That's an easier task for some of us than for others. But anyways, verse 31. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set man against his father and daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be of those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whatever and whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Father, as we take a few minutes now to consider, Lord, this address that you gave to your disciples before sending them out, Lord, as you said, as sheep among wolves, Lord, to be about your work and about your business, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that we would be ready for the calling and the work that you have called us to. I thank you for every precious person you brought out here tonight, for those that are watching online. Lord, may we be like you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Whew, a lot of reading. We got through it. Glad to be back with you. If you are not here on Sunday, uh, I, I told the story that on, on, uh, in the hallways this Sunday morning, a brother came up to me and just said, hey, I just got to tell you, not to puff you up or anything, but I heard that last Wednesday night was fabulous. And I said, that's okay, it won't puff me up because I didn't teach last Wednesday night. That was Paul Pirelli. But hey, I'm glad it was good last Wednesday night. Glad to be back with you even more so. We are doing a series called Being Discipled by Jesus. And we're looking at those passages of Scripture where Jesus pulled His disciples aside. Not, not the multitudes, not the Pharisees. And He began to pour in them things they would need to be just that, disciples. We spent the first chunk of this series looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Where Jesus taught His disciples kingdom principles that were to be lived not in Christian communes or in monasteries, but they were to be lived in the culture and the community in which God has placed us. He told us as disciples what we were to do. That it's not if we give or if we pray or if we fast, but as disciples it's what? When we pray, okay? When we fast, when we, this is a tough one. Well, you can say two of you give. That's right. When we do these things, and the attitude is so important, if I'm doing them so that people will see my good works and glorify me, that's not the heart of a disciple. But I'm doing these things so that they'll see me and glorify God. They'll see the good works and say, He serves a good God. I want to follow. Hey, gold star for us. That's being a disciple. 
Well, tonight we move on from the Sermon on the Mount here to this time where Jesus is choosing and commissioning His disciples on their very first missions outreach. And the lessons He shared with them still ring true in our lives today. But before we even get to the lessons, I think it's important to note that all this started in the heart of God. That's, what we, that's why we started in chapter 9, in verse 36, if you want to look down at your Bible there and see it. We see it starts in the heart of God. God has compassion for a lost world. Jesus looks out and He sees the multitudes. He sees so many that need Him. And His heart begins to break. God has compassion for those that need Him. We might walk right on by them in the street. The plight of the lost and the downtrodden might not keep you up at night. But don't misunderstand, it breaks the heart of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. It's why He was the first missionary. I mean, He was. Talk about a step down. Jesus comes from heaven, where He's worshipped 24 hours a day to take on this human body of flesh and live among us. No matter what quote-unquote sacrifice you may take for Jesus in your life, whether it's to go to the jungles of New Guinea or live and spend time with the homeless, whatever it is, it cannot compare to the sacrifice that Jesus, the first missionary, took. Because He loved people. He loves people. He wants to see lost people saved. So the missionary work of the disciples, it begins in the heart of God. But then notice, God seeks to transfer His heart, His heart to ours. How? Through the avenue of prayer. He tells His disciples in 9.38, Matthew 9.38, Pray, pray, pray to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. God wants to see people saved. And the way He wants to transfer His heart to us is He wants us to pray. To be quite honest, I think as a church, and not so much us in this room, but the church in America corporately, we spend way too much time doing anything and everything but praying. We spend a lot of time fighting. Oh, that's the new church and they're taking our people. Oh no, we've, we've lost 50 people to that church. And, and don't, again, don't misunderstand me. I, 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 I love the, the people that go to this fellowship and we want to minister to them. But you know what I was discovering? You know there is, at very very least, 400 thousand people in North County that don't go to church anywhere. 400,000. And we're like, oh, we lost 10. 400,000 people need Jesus. They need to get plugged into a body that will share with them about Jesus and love on them and demonstrate Jesus. We need to pray, friends. Maybe you should write down some prayer requests. You know, globally what this church is getting involved in you need to be praying for Danny and Michelle Williamson. They're leaving at this end, end of the year to go down to Argentina. Would you be partnering with them at the very least in prayer? That God would prepare their hearts. That God would prepare the people's heart. We need to be praying and covering and bathing Danny and Michelle in prayer. If 
Phil McKay down in Costa Rica and, and, and Rebecca down there, they're, they're, they're going to two services now. God is doing some amazing things. They're looking at, at getting a building that's uh, apart from the house that they're meeting in. We need to be praying for what God is doing down in Costa Rica. There's opportunities, as you've heard Pastor Rob share, of maybe going to New Zealand or, or Sydney or, or Argentina in the, in the next couple of years. We need to be praying for these opportunities. But even beyond internationally, we need to be praying for right here, for the 400,000 lost people that are our neighbors and co-workers and people we go to school with. Jesus looked at the multitude and said, guys, we need to pray. And then after he had them pray, he picked 12 normal guys to be his disciples. Understand, Jesus had many disciples. The word disciple means learner. That, that's what a disciple is. It was one that was, he was interested in Jesus, wanted to learn about Jesus. And there were many, many disciples. But of those many disciples, Jesus selects 12 apostles. Now the word apostle means one who is sent out. And that is what this group is doing. They've been selected to be the 12 apostles and Jesus is going to send them out into this lost and dying world. He's going to send them out with instructions. And guys, so you understand, these 12 are the audience for the rest of our series. For every other Wednesday night until we decide to do something different, the, the audience is these 12. Before, some of you have been confused. Well, it seems like there's more than 12. It seems like there's lots of people. There were lots of disciples. They were still disciples, but they were, just, they were a lot. From now on, it's the apostles. It's these 12 guys that Jesus is pouring into. Now that understood, we need to understand that these instructions in chapter 10, they really need to be broken into two parts in our mind. They've got to be broken into two parts or it makes it really hard to understand. Matthew chapter 10, these instructions to the apostles, these selected disciples, really it's the message for their mission in verses 1 through 15. And then the rest of the chapter is the message for all of us. Why that's important to understand, really important to get. Because if we don't understand it, if we don't get it, you might walk away from tonight's lesson a little confused. You see, Jesus tells them, go only to Israel. Which maybe makes some of us wonder, then why are we going to Argentina, New Zealand, Sydney? Didn't Jesus say, go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? We should just be getting behind Stephen and Pat Apple. That's the only right mission. Well, no, but, but why no? Or then more than that, we might think tonight, and why are we taking a Wednesday night missions offering? Didn't Jesus say, provide no money for your belt? Don't, don't, I mean, why are we giving them money? Can't they live by faith like the disciples are supposed to? You see, if we don't understand it was a specific message for their mission, we can be a little confused. So the first part of chapter 10 is instructions to them. These disciples on this particular trip. Not that we can't learn from the, those, those instructions, but we don't want to build doctrines around Jesus' instructions to this particular group. Now the rest of chapter 10, we have instructions, instructions for disciples of all time. So with that understanding, let's pick it up in our text in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, Jesus says to the twelve now, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter into the city of the Samaritans. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. 
Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor copper for your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. In these verses, Jesus basically has two instructions for these disciples at this time. And they're basically that, number one, they would start at home. These things should be up on the screen. They're going to start at home. And then secondly, he's instructing them to walk by faith. Now, those two things worked out in their missionary journey by going first to the house of Israel, stay, stay at home, start at home. And then again, by not taking supplies or raising support, but by just trusting the Lord. But as I said before, that doesn't mean we can't take a mission trip to Argentina or raise support for the Williamsons. These were instructions for them. But the lessons, hey, every one of us can learn. He sends this specific group first and only to the house of Israel. Now as the gospel continues to unfold, Jesus will say at his ascension, Go, be witnesses to me, and where? You know the verse, in Jerusalem, Judea, and where? To the ends of the earth. But with their first mission, and even the Great Commission, we see the principle that Jesus wanted them to share the gospel at home first. Before they went over the whole world, he wanted them to share it plainly and clearly at home. And I think, precious friends, that is something we need to consider. I love overseas missions trips. Love them. I love what they do and the people that go. I love seeing the church get planted. I mean, like Pastor Rob was sharing tonight. I mean, how cool. You can remember the time where just a few of you went over and saw this church get planted. And now Bible college students and, and, and God's affecting the whole world. And I, I feel that way kind of about the McKay's. You know, some of you were there on their first Sunday they ever had where there's about 10 people in their driveway. And now it's like we're going to two services. That's so awesome. I love missions trips. But here's the reality. Sometimes it's easier to go to Hungary. Sometimes it's easier to go to Costa Rica than it is to go to your next door neighbor. Because we see them every day. We see them every day. And what will they think of us? What will they think of us? They think I'm a Jesus freak if I actually ask them if they have any spiritual beliefs. If I ask if I can pray for them. If I share with them the, the gospel. What will they think of me? It can be more difficult to share at home. But here and in the Great Commission, Jesus lays out the battle plan for evangelism. He does want us to reach around the world, but friends, it begins at home. And I want to encourage our fellowship. Our fellowship throughout the years is strong in overseas missions. There are 400,000 lost people right around us. Are you praying? Are you praying? I don't know what to do. Pray. I'm not an evangelist. Pray. I don't know what to say. Pray. Pray is what Jesus told his disciples. Pray, God, give me your heart for that guy. I want to walk by him and go eat my lunch. I don't want to share Jesus with him. Change my heart. Lord, I don't know what to say. He scares me. Help me, Lord. Pray, precious friends. Pray. Because I believe with all my heart the gospel needs to start 
at home. He tells them to start at home, to reach those around them first, and then notice with me, he wants them to minister by faith. Don't provide money. Don't take two tunics. Just go out and trust me. Now listen, later on the next missionary outreach, Jesus will instruct his disciples to take supplies, to be prepared. But I find it interesting that for this first outreach, he has them operate completely by faith. I find it interesting because that's the way that God seems to want to develop all of our lives. Maybe you haven't got this yet. <laughs> you will. God wants to develop in each of us a foundation of faith. We often wonder, God, I've given my life to you. I've surrendered all. How come I still have trials? How come I still go through tough times? How come the money is still tight? I'm serving you. The questions come. But friends, most of you know, we're learning together that the language, that learning faith, is so important because it's the foundation for life and the language of eternity. And God is far more concerned with teaching you how to trust Him, teaching you how to lean on Him, than He ever is to make you comfortable in this life. I know that's not the health and wealth and whatever it is doctrine, but you know you don't get that here anyways. God wants to develop in you a foundation of faith because oftentimes with complacency, with comfort and ease, comes complacency and carnality. But with hardship, what does God know? As the fire gets turned up in our lives, what happens? We begin to trust Him. We begin to grow in Him. We begin to mature in Him. I mean, you can't read any part of the Bible without seeing it. Hebrews 11, that we'll get to on, on Sunday morning soon. I mean, the, the whole chapter's full of stories of men and women who God taught them faith. You know, Abraham waiting 14 years for the promise. 14 years. We read it, it's like three chapters, and we read our Bible with our latte. It's like, oh, that was, oh yeah, there's Isaac. 14 years. That's crazy. Well, that's abnormal. No, it's not. David. David. Realize it was 17 years from the, the moment David's anointed king over Israel until he's actually king of Israel. And until then, he's hiding in caves with everybody who's in debt and depressed, going, what's going on? 17 years. Again, we just, oh, that's nice. 17 years. Jeremiah waited his whole life and saw nothing. His whole life, preaching, sharing, Never seen any fruit. Man, you think God considers Jeremiah a non-success? Absolutely not. He was developing in him a foundation of faith. It's a lesson all of us have had to learn in our lives. All of us are still learning in our lives. You know, I've got to share with you probably the toughest moment in my life was right after I was sent out of here seven years ago. The deal back then, I don't know exactly how it works today, but the deal back then is Calvary Chapel Vista would continue to support you for two months. You know, I was the youth pastor here, and I keep getting my youth pastor paycheck for two months. And the deal was this. In that two months, you need to get a job and start supporting yourself and, and just trust the Lord for what goes on. A great plan, by the way. I'm not knocking it at all. 
But you see, before I even moved out, the Lord is so good. So I thought, so good. I already had a job, just completely laid out. This guy that I knew that was leading worship at the little group of like 15 that I was coming to pastor, he, he was working for this group that would go into schools and teach kids how to get off of drugs and the dangers of drugs. And the first time I met with the, 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 the leadership of the school, they said, and you can use the Bible or anything. I mean, it's Texas. I was like, sweet. I get to go into public schools and preach Jesus all day long. My job hasn't changed. I like this. I like this. And the pay was similar to being the youth pastor here. It was like, thank you, Lord. And I had two months to just focus on pouring into the church. Oh, what a great idea. What a great plan. Until a week before I was supposed to start. A week before, the guy calls me up and he says, Hey, uh, you know how you're taking over for me? Yeah, in like seven days. Yeah, I know that. Right, yeah. yeah we've all, all, all of it's done, ready to go. I got to stay on through December. I left here in July, and so July, August, I was starting late August. December? <laughs> I just bought a house. I got to feed my kids. What do you, what do you mean? What, what, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. What am I going to do? I know. I'll call Vista. That's what I'll do. I'll call Vista. And I called Vista. And I said, hey, hey guys, I know how it normally works. Two months... And then, totally a great idea. But here's the deal. I didn't know until seven days ago that I didn't have a job. So I'm going to go to McDonald's this afternoon, Home Depot, whatever I got to do to feed my kids, I will do. I just need a half a paycheck. Just two more weeks so I can get the job. And then it's, please, please, please. And they said, we'll pray about it. Okay, okay, pray about it. All right, that's cool. I know that really means yes, but you just want to be spiritual, so all right, you'll pray about it. Okay, it's good, it's good. Two days later, I get the call. No. 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 And what was shared with me was simply this. We have prayed about it. And we feel that if this ministry is going to be of the Lord, then you need to realize it's of the Lord. And if you can always run home to Big Brother Vista when anything gets tough, you'll never learn to depend on Jesus Christ. And that lesson's far more important than us taking care of this temporary need for you. I love the men of this church that had the wisdom and the love to share that with me. Now. <laughs> now I love those men. That day... I set down the phone. If I can be truly honest, I never felt so alone in my entire life. Never felt so alone. And I just sat there just going, what am I going to do? The mortgage is due. The kids are hungry. And I'm done. And an overwhelming sense in my heart was this. You're not alone. You're not alone. I am with you. I am with you. You know, we never missed a meal, as you can tell. I never missed a meal. Calvary Chapel Paris is now the third largest Calvary Chapel in the whole state of Texas. And Paris is not the third largest town. God has done some amazing, amazing things.
But it had to start, precious friends, with a foundation of faith. It had to start that way. And God has to take you through this as well in your life. He's got to teach you that you need to depend on Him. Because we can sometimes we go to our parents or we go to this person or man, I'll just, I'll just put it on the credit card. And if we run our lives like that, we will never understand that He is truly all we need. And God wants to do so much. I mean, what God's been doing recently out of the church there. I mean, most, most of people thought I was crazy to come live here and still pastor there and what's going to happen to the church in Paris. Can I just share a praise report with you? Caritable Paris is having the best financial year it's ever had in its history. And I don't even live in the town anymore. That's just Jesus kind of stuff. That's Jesus stuff. The services are packed. People are being saved because it starts with faith, friends. And you in your life, I know things get tough. I know it gets to the point where you're like, I don't understand. It's got to be about faith. It's got to be about faith. Jesus wanted his disciples to be that way in the beginning. And so does he want to do that with you. You see, why are things going so well in Paris? Why does God continually bless the church here? Is it because we're so faithful? Is it because Calvary Chapel Paris' senior pastor is so amazing? No. It's because you and I serve a great God. That's why. That's why. And it's true. We serve a great God, so cling to Him and let Him walk you through by faith. Well, they, they were supposed to stay at home. They, they were to go by faith. Then finally... Finally, well, finally, the rest of the chapter. Verse 16, we see the message for all of us. Look at verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpent and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor servant above his master. Is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more valued than the sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
For I've come to set a man against his father and daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take the cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet reward in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, as soon as I say to you, he'll by no means lose his reward. As you guys well know, we could spend weeks just picking apart these verses. But my intent tonight and in this series is just to take the basic lessons, the lessons they would have received as they would have just heard this sermon being preached. And really as we look at these, I really think three things jump off the page at me. Message lessons for all of us. Number one, persecution happens to everybody. He's trying to teach them. Persecution happens to all of us. He tells his disciples, hey, they persecuted me. Guess what they're going to do? They are going to persecute you. He tells them he's sending them out as sheep among wolves. I mean, that is scary. But that is what serving the Lord can be like at times. There is warfare. There is persecution. The enemy hates you, friend. He does. Oh, he kind of likes me. No, he doesn't. He hates you. And I was talking to uh, one of my assistant pastors in Paris, Christian Sly. And he just started tonight, our Wednesday night Bible study. He took it over completely and he's teaching it now. And I've been talking to him like, how are things going? And he's like, I can't believe how much warfare has been this week. It seems like, it seems like everybody and I aren't getting along and there's just, and I'm like, that's what happens. Don't be surprised. Jesus says, you're going to step up and say, I want to, I want to be used of you. You become dangerous against the kingdom of darkness. And guess what? You become a target. I know, and sometimes in today and on Christian TV, it's like, serve the Lord and all your problems will go away. That's not true, friends. It's not true. You see, there was a day where generations of believers would shake their head in agreement with this. However, for you and me in America, persecution for our faith is not really seen. But I tell you, if you're going to stand up for your principles, if you're going to be more than a social club Christian, you are going to meet opposition. From friends, from employers, from family, from kids even. And you need to be aware of it. Because something happens once you're aware of it. Isn't that what the great prophet G.I. Joe once said? That great prophet, what did he say? He says, now you know. Come on, hit the picture of G.I. Joe. Now you know. There it is. Now you know. And no one is half the battle. That's what he says. That great prophet G.I. Joe been teaching you biblical truth since you were little, at least you young men. Why is that, why is that important? Because, see, listen, if you don't expect it to come, it's like, what's happening in my life? I thought if I served Jesus, everything would be great. But when you realize, hey, they persecuted Jesus. Jesus had trials and tribulation. So all of a sudden, you step in, you say, I I'm going to serve in children's ministry. I'm going to be one of those teams that show up here on a Sunday morning, and, and I'm, I'm going to partner with God and what God's doing. And all of a sudden, the fire gets turned up in your life. All of a sudden, if you know that, it's like, amen, amen, I'm doing the right thing. I guess I'm affecting the kingdom of darkness. And we can move on and be encouraged because I'm locking arms with generations of believers that have gone before me, with Jesus saying, hey, they persecuted him. They're going to persecute me. 
disciples tonight, you're going to be persecuted. You've got to know it. Secondly, he shares them to boldly proclaim what they have heard. There in verse 27, he says, What I tell you in your ear, what I whisper to you, I want you as my disciples to preach it from the rooftop. Again, I think this is something we can all apply. We need to take the things we hear from Jesus and boldly declare them to the world God has put us in. As Pastor Rob often says, to our sphere of influence, to preach what God is sharing with us to them. But I hope you understand, that means first and foremost, I've got to be hearing something from Jesus. I've got to be listening. It's one of the reasons both Pastor Rob and I encourage you all the time, stay in this book. Read your Bible and pray every single day. Why? So God will love you more? No. God just loves you so much anyway. So you'll be more blessed? Not in the sense like, for, I mean, you know what I mean? No. So why do I read it every day? Because God wants to pour into you so that you can pour into others. That, that's one of the many reasons. And isn't it amazing? It is to me. Where you read something in the morning, it's like, all right, that was good. And then just hours later, someone comes to you and says, hey, I've got this deal. And it's like, I read that in the one your Bible this morning, in the book of Proverbs. It amazes me. It shouldn't amaze me. I'm a pastor. That shouldn't amaze me. But it does. Pray for me. Anyways, it's amazing. It's like, I get it. I think, well, of course, because this book is living and powerful. And God wants to take the things he whispers in your ear in the morning and use it in your life in the afternoon. And not just your own devotions, but it's why it's so important what we're doing here. And what we do on Saturday night or Sunday morning. We come with our notebooks ready, our pens in hand, or, you know, if you're kind of cool technically with your iPad in hand, fingers ready to go. And what are you doing? You're receiving. But haven't you noticed? As soon as you receive it, you're tested on it. It's why when I talk through the book of Job, Three weeks. Three weeks. I don't want to be tested on that book. Three weeks it took me to work through it. Anyways. I think we need to be in study so we can give out, listening to the Lord. And I think in our culture, friends, we are without excuse. Without excuse. I mean, in the world of podcasts and sermons online, do you realize you can be discipled by anyone? I mean, you can give the excuse, well... If I went to a church with a good Wednesday night Bible, Bible teacher, then I'd be able to walk with God. If I went to Fort Lauderdale and had Bob Coy as my Wednesday night teacher, oh, then I'd be a good Christian. Hello, McFly. His stuff's online. You can. You can tonight. That was lame. Go home. Listen to Bob. You can be discipled by anyone. Oh, I could walk with God if I lived in Cleveland. If I lived in Cleveland and Alistair Begg was my teacher, then I could totally receive from... That was a horrible Scottish accent. Anyways, if I could hear from Alistair Begg, it would be so... Join the 21st century. It's all online. You can be discipled by anybody. I don't know about online or podcasts. Grab a book. You can be discipled by Spurgeon, Whitfield, Moody, anyone. Friends, we live in a great time in human history. But you know what Jesus told us, that to whom much is given, much will be required. Man, let's listen and be ready and proclaim those things from the rooftop. One more thing and we'll be done tonight. Jesus says at the very end there, 
for us to get our priorities right. You're kind of a tough section at the end of chapter 10. Jesus, who talked about love all the time, was always telling us to love our brothers, love our sisters, you know. All of a sudden now he's like, I'm going to set father against son and son against mother and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. Some of you say, well, I understand that one. But the rest of it's hard to understand. It's hard to understand. How, why would God want to, why would he want to do? Well, listen, obviously Jesus, who talked about love all the time, he's not saying you're to hate your kids or hate your wife or hate your parents. That's the opposite of what we know from the scriptures. What he's saying is this, that we need to have our priorities straight. Because sometimes, well, they get off, don't they? Precious brother Rob Nash was sharing with our staff the other, other week, just reminding us of the story we all know well of Mary and Martha. You know the story. Jesus comes to town and Martha goes out and invites Jesus to her house. Jesus and the disciples show up and, man, she's in the kitchen making a meal for who knows how many. And then there's her lazy bum sister, Mary. And she looks out and he, she's, what, what's Mary doing? Sitting there at the feet of Jesus, just listening to a Bible study. And you can just see Martha's face as you read the text. Stinking lazy bum sister of mine. I run into the coming on here. You know how much work it is to feed all these people. And then, and then, instead of that, that's what we all would probably be doing. Martha takes it a step further. She goes out, interrupts the Bible study, confronts and rebukes Jesus. Jesus, will you tell Mary to come help me in the kitchen now, please? <laughs> Seriously, this Martha. And I love, I love what Jesus does. I mean, he could have done a lot of things. He could have turned his back, kind of like, next point. <laughs> he could have kind of given his disciples the... Uh, Crazy person, row three. Have you ever see, you ever see Pastor Rob doing that? That's what he's doing. He's not like grooving to a Bible study. He's like, does nobody see that person in the back row losing their mind over there? Please deal with him. Yeah, there's nobody losing their mind currently in the back row, so it's all right. But, but, but Jesus could have done that. He's like, mm, Peter, mm, 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 mm. he didn't do that either. He said, Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things. Does that describe you? At times it absolutely describes me. You know, a lot of you know that <laughs> I've been so challenged by this. My life is pretty full at the current season. And sometimes it's a little overwhelming and I remember I was reading the Gospel of John the other day and the verse will come up on the screen and these verses just jumped off the page at me where Jesus is speaking. He says, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. And now get this. I have finished the work that you have given me to do. You see, it's easy to be like Martha and be worried and troubled about many things. Really easy to fall into that. To be worried about mother, father. To be worried about sister, brother. To be worried about spouse. To be worried about bills to pay. But Jesus boils it down so simply. 
God, I've finished the work that you have given me to do. Not the work that others decided was important. Jesus says, I can go to God in prayer and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's very simple. Jesus is the priority. It's not even church, friends, as much as I love church. Jesus is the priority. God, you are my priority. And I realize that I am valuable to you. And as I put you first, you'll take care of me. You'll reward me. So, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's what Paul the Apostle prayed. There on the road to Damascus when he first met Jesus. He's knocked over by the glory of God. And he cries out his first real genuine prayer. Lord, who are you? And what do you want me to do, God? Paul was pretty effective, huh? Because he had that mindset. Lord, what do you want me to do? So often we pray, Lord, here's all the things I'm doing. Bless them. Please help me. God bless my plans. As a disciple, I need the right priorities. I need to be able to say with Jesus, with Paul the Apostle, I finished the work that you have given me to do. I finished the race that you have given to me. How do I know? You go to Him, precious ones. You go to Him. He's the one who has the heart for all that you will do in the first place. You go to Him and you make Him your priority. You tune your ear into Him. Lord, I'm worried and troubled about many things. What do you want me to do? God, what's your call and your direction for my life? You see, here's the reality and I'll close with this. There is coming a day, maybe very soon, where you are going to stand before Him. And you've got to hear me on that, precious church. This is something I'm, I, I, I've got to learn in my life. I'm trying to be super transparent here tonight. You know, some of, the, some of the congregation in Paris love me and some think I'm loony. But here's what I have to learn. I... I'm responsible for them, but I won't stand before them on that day. I stand before Jesus. I love my wife and kids with all of my heart. But you know what? I won't stand before them on that day either. I'm responsible for them. God will hold me accountable for them. But I don't answer to them. I love and respect that man in the back, Pastor Rob, with all of my heart and soul. He has poured more into me than any, any man that has ever been alive in my life. Or a dead man, too. But you know what? As much as I love and respect him, I don't stand before him on that day either. And I share that with you because neither, neither do you. you. You stand before Jesus. Not family and friends, not co-workers, not me, not Pastor Rob. You stand before Jesus. And so we better be concerned. Lord, what do you think about what I'm doing? What do you think? I can fool all kinds of people. What do you think I'm doing? What do you think of my priorities? What do you think about the direction of my life? Lord, I want to live to honor you. Jesus is the priority. Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Jesus. Amen on that tonight? Amen. Father, 
we thank you that we get to be your disciples. And though there are times when you're teaching us to walk by faith and persecution comes, Lord, you didn't lie to us. You told us that would be the reality. Lord, I pray that we would see and hear your heart for us tonight. That we cling to you as you send us out as sheep among wolves. As you send us out, sometimes with no safety net, just to depend on you and trust in you. That the reality is, Lord, there is no one else we need but you. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. The beginning and the end. And it is you, it is you, it is you, Lord, that one day we will stand before. And I pray, Lord, for myself and I pray for this precious congregation tonight. That on that day, we would be able to hear from your lips. Well done, my good and faithful servant. God, I pray it is your heart that we would be impassioned with. That it is pleasing you that would take the top priority in each of our hearts and each of our lives. Because the reality is those we are accountable for, those that we do answer to in this life, Lord, the best thing we can do for them is to love you with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our mind, and all of our strengths. It's the best thing we can do and it's what a disciple really is. So Lord, tonight as we come before you, may those of us who do know you and love you, may we cling to you, God, even more strongly as we close with some worship tonight. But Father, if there's anyone among us, anyone watching online, anyone that will hear this study at a later date that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray right now would be the moment that they would commit their heart to you. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and if you are a believer, hey, your job is to pray. Your job is to intercede for anyone listening to this message now or sometime in the future. That God would open up their hearts. But if you're listening and you know there's a distance between you and God, you've tried this and you've tried that and you sense there's, there is just an emptiness in your heart and life, friend, you need Jesus. You need Him. And He has provided a relationship with Him paid for it on the cross when he paid for your sin and mine and Romans 10 9 says you can enter into that relationship by believing in your heart that's where it starts and then and then when you confess him with your mouth Lord I need you and so if you're ready if you want to receive the Lord tonight right there where you sit you cry out to him you confess it with your mouth just a prayer between you and the Lord I don't think it's the words that really matter as much as your heart Maybe you pray something like this, Lord, I believe in you. I don't understand everything about you yet, but I believe in you, and I want you to forgive me of my sin and help me turn from my sin. I want to give my life totally and completely to you. I want what you did on the cross to count for me. For Lord, tonight, I want to be yours. I want to be your disciple. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.